On this episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, the adventures of Donna and Taryn take the shores of Savage Beach from 1989. Welcome to Cult Cinema Cavalcade, a movie podcast that features hosts Brandon and Cullen discussing a film considered but not limited to being a cult classic. The episode you are listening to will include plot spoilers and may contain harsh language. Follow CC Cavalcade on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Listen to the show on cultcinemacavalcade.com, iTunes, and anywhere podcasts are found. Next time you try and smuggle China White through our territory, you get that bomb up your ass. This is Cult Cinema Cavalcade. This is episode 63. This is Brandon, and as always with me is your beachin' co-hoster, Cullen. You know, they could really call these movies the Abilene Chronicles. Stick around and find out why. Today we are here to discuss the 1989 film Savage Beach. Cullen, what exactly makes a beach savage? On their way to make an air delivery, two drug enforcement agents will need to do an emergency landing on a remote island rumored to have a treasure of gold. Savage Beach is written and directed by Andy Sedaris and stars Donna Spear, Hope Marie Carlton, John Aprea, Rodrigo Obregon, Mike Mikasa, Al Long, Terry Weigel, Lisa London, and Michael J. Shane. Kind of sad, Cullen. This is it for Andy Sedaris month. Well, you know, the month comes to an end. So must the Andy Sedaris, I don't want to call it a retrospective, but we're just just showing our appreciation for him. And, you know, the appreciation will still be in our hearts. So in that way, it'll never die. I guess we have more fun to look forward to in the future. There's 12 movies in this set, Brandon. We've only done four of them. That's true. And we also, there's, you know, Stacy and Seven. And we can just watch a bunch of old Monday Night Football games, and we can still enjoy the Sedaris effect. Savage Beach, the fourth film in this lethal series, boasts that all the actresses in this film were former Playboy Playmates. I mean, just get a porn, guys. If that's what you want, just do that. This is also the last team-up of Donna and Taryn, as Taryn, played by Hope Marie Carlton, bows out after this film. And it's not like she wasn't off to better things or anything like that. She done some legit stuff, like, and, and don't laugh or anything, but she was in Slumber Party Massacre 3, Ghoulies Go to College, she did an episode of Quantum Leap, she was in Stephen King's The Stand. While she was doing these, she was in Nightmare on Elm Street 4, which was the highest grossing one of them until Freddy vs. Jason, and high profile, high art or not, those are things that people know what they are they still talk about people collect when brandon told me that she was in elm street four and she was the the waterbed girl i flipped out because i used to have because everybody was like she was so hot yeah like like, oh yeah that's the hottest woman ever yeah the woman in a bed that's awesome she's also apparently like one of those vampire agers because she came back for the never sleep again documentary Mm. on making the elm street series and a little retro doc on slumber party massacre 3 and looking good looking good are you saying that she could be in another savage beach and just 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 pick up right where she left off and be fine she could she could yeah she could pick up and be Taryn tomorrow all right you heard it folks it's up to you producers make that happen we went savage beach (laughs) 3 yes the savage beach that actually brings Tana and Taryn back that's right we can start a letter writing campaign. They, people still do that, right? And you know who people write letters to, Colin? Uh, who's that, Brandon? Tom Lebrie. Hi, Tom Lebrie again with some more night comfort. You know, I've talked a lot about waterbeds, about how safe they are, and what a good night's sleep you get. This time, I want to talk to you about the warmth. I don't know if it's cold or not where you are, but let me tell you, when the temperature is in the 20s and 30s, and the wind is howling outside, 
there is nothing like crawling into a heated waterbed. In a conventional bed, all you get are those cold sheets. And it takes a while to get warm, but in a waterbed, it's instant comfort. And of course, with a heater, you can adjust the temperature. And now, let's get back to the movie. Let's move on here to Savage Beach, which these movies open with the title screen. Yeah. With the logo. And Donna Spear, finally top build. Yeah, that's very overdue. In all the other of the, these movies with Donna and Taryn, it, she's really more of a main character than the main dude is. She was the hard ticket to Hawaii lead, easily. Her oh, and yeah. Taryn. And then the last one, maybe part of a three thing, but she's returning. Give her the top bill. She's the one that's on the screen the most, so... Well, I mean, maybe not in Picasso Trigger. I don't know. But Hope, Ma- Hope Marie Carlton is second build. The credits feature a guy at a sunset on a beach just swinging a samurai sword around. Yeah, I thought it was just someone, like, lost. And they're just like, all right, get, get the camera. We're out here. There's, there's, a, there's a crazy guy on the beach just swinging a sword around. And in the credits, you're watching him roll, and you're like, John Aprey is in... The, the Picasso Trigger's in this? <laughs> Boy, is he we'll get to that we'll get to that but i saw his name and i'm like wait a minute donna and taryn in their normal attire are driving their jeep fast after something and then we see these two can i call them hookers I... What, what else am i supposed to think about these two before we find out their names i wrote one of their characters name down as sex clown because that's <laughs> what she looks like she has huge red hair. She oh, has like yeah, yeah. black and red stripes all down. She's wearing like a bodysuit that's like black and like red striped. And her, her makeup is very pronounced. So it, it looks like after she's done blowing a balloon, she's going to blow you. <laughs> after we find out who she is, I call her like substitute Edie. Oh, yeah. They drive these mopeds on the docks, getting Googled at by two dudes who apparently it works on. And the guys are these very towny-looking men. And they tell them, you know, the docks are closed. But the, the girls offer the thermos with refreshments. And then they hold hands with them walking around. And then Donna and Taryn pull up in their Jeep, and they load up. Taryn takes the perimeter while Donna goes inside this warehouse. Donna takes a, a look inside a pineapple box opens up a pineapple and there's something inside it and then there's the two dudes are flirting on the dock with the ladies i'm guessing there's are drugs in the pineapple right yeah it was a baggie of coke i guess it's not like the pineapple is like cleverly disguised or anything like that it's just a pineapple that has the top of it sliced off like someone just like cut it hollowed it out like all right there's where, where coke goes like any kind of slight bump to the box the top of the pineapple would fall off and it would be clear to everyone what they were doing so donna goes right to the main office busts in and she's like donna hamilton drug enforcement division here's my badge there's my warrant here's my shotgun outside the two floozies pull their badges out and the dudes get in a scuffle with them one of them gets knocked out there's a shootout the redhead pulls a gun on the dude attacking her friend and says release her right now or your church choir has a new soprano the head guy and another dude escape in a van but taryn pulls out a detonator and blows it up but not killing them mind you just right getting them all charred up and stuff yeah. so they can be arrested thankfully the guys in the truck were cartoon characters they're not susceptible to explosions because otherwise she would have murdered them she would have killed multiple people and she couldn't do it under the guise of like well you know i'm a federal agent or or whatever because she's still a civilian we're three movies in right she's still doing work for the government but there's just she has no actual law enforcement title it's a hobby it's a hobby. It is. You're right. She fights crime in her spare time, so I guess she's kind of a superhero. You know what time it is, Colin? What time is it, Brandon? Hot tub time! <laughs> With slow motion. All four uh, ladies in the tub, naked. How far do you think we're into this movie? And we've already done damn near every Andy Sedaris trope. Five to six minutes. <laughs> yeah. You've got a vehicle exploding. You've got... Uh, guns firing, one-liners and kind of like pickup line, dick dick jokes, and then nudity. And like I said, all in five minutes. And a hot tub, yeah. This could have just been like a thing that he shot, 
so he could get funding for this movie. Like, well, this is like, what the movie's going to be. This is everything that's in it. But stop it right now. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I got it all. <laughs> Here's a duffel bag of drug money we need to launder. I mean money. Go make your movie, Andy Sedaris. <laughs> so after some playfulness in the hot tub, we go to the Knox Island Hospital. There's a bunch of sick kids, and apparently Honolulu's their best hope to get medicine so they call andy sedaris at shane aviation this was like his psycho cameo where he needed to get it out of the way right away so people wouldn't be distracted later in the film i was gonna say it was more like stan lee because stan lee always has speaking parts and so does andy sedaris they call shane abilene and uh he's busy fucking some woman in a pool (laughs) and can't help yeah i know The first thing you see of this guy is just getting in there in a pool. But he gets paged anyway. This is Shane Abilene. More like Jade Abilene, right? Yeah. Well, Jade's not going to be in this movie, and we have an Abilene. Why we just mix them together? He's like, all right, you know, the male leads in these movies aren't that great to begin with, so let's just put them together and just be done with it. So he leaves this woman to take the call, and they are looking for a supply of Genesis 5. And he says he'll get them a shipment in 24 hours. Some guy delivers an auto bakery box to this, let me go, let me, quotation fingers, if you can see me, restaurant. Oh, yeah, you mean a sidewalk. A sidewalk and then the corner of a pool. It's almost like a Neil Breen hotel scene type thing. <laughs> Andy Sedaris must have had a falling out with the person that was the front for Edie's in the previous movies. <laughs> Donna and Taryn are now sunbathing at the pool. At a restaurant. The restaurant pool where they have a phone line there that's like a, a scanner copier fax machine just on a table mm-hmm. by the pool. Yeah, sure, uh, that happened. Shane has a call for them all to hear, so they gather around, and uh, Donna's like, Another Abilene? They just keep coming, don't they? Cool, breaking that for the wall. <laughs> breaking that for the wall there. The audience posed the question last movie, so they said, hey, we need to address this. And, of course, they just keep coming, don't they? More sex puns. Yep. Tells him that they have to fly some medicine to Knox Island. Shane says his girl needs to bone him right now because he's got to go meet Donna and Taryn. I wish she said, I have to bone you right now. Man, I wish. That's the kind of writing I want in <laughs> I mean, that's movie. the ultimatum he gave her. He's like, yeah, we're doing this now or I'm just going to get dressed. Okay. It's more fun that way than to hear something like, hey, Kimo Sabi, is that a gun in your pocket? You, have to, you know, that kind of shit. I don't want that. I, I just want <laughs> straightforward... Take off your pants and pleasure me consensually. Let's go! Shane takes a chopper to meet up. One of the ran- random agency girls, I, the, the two new girls, I just names whatever they were. They were the something. Se- the, the sex clown is Rocky. Uh-huh. That's that's our substitute, Edie. That, okay. Yeah. And the other one is Patty. And that, that's what you can call wow. them. Patty! Because they are always in the same scene. They drop the medicine. Then her and Shane have a flirtatious conversation about the size of this gun he's giving her for the mission. It it is 45 minutes of just fucking dick jokes. Yeah. I want you to see the special equipment I have for you. Well, we're pretty isolated here, and I don't always get my share. Are you comfortable with a big gun? They have their advantages. This baby's larger than most anything around. Well, I'm not as impressed with size as I am with performance. Once loaded and cocked, all you need is a steady hand on the barrel. And what about the actual shot? You won't be disappointed. I'll be the judge of that. And uh, he's also got a crossbow for Taryn with an explosive arrow on it. Explosive tip. I called her I called her gadgets expert last time, but I guess she's the explosives expert. That's Taryn's thing. I think it's more accurate to say that she likes things that go boom. The plane gets loaded up. Shane warns of a bad storm at their destination. Taryn, while they're in the air, she mentions her grandfather died where they're going back in <laughs> World War II and never came yeah. back. Yeah, by the way, well, I mean, it, I mean, it kind of does, question mark? It does, but this is really out of place. 
it is, and it doesn't. I don't know if it adds that much. I don't know. What would have been better is if she mentioned this in like Picasso Trigger, and then it came up here. <laughs> They're planting the seeds in Picasso. Just Trigger. like, just like in Hard Ticket, she mentioned the being a snitch or something, and being in the protective custody, and then it came back. You expect Andy Sedaris to have these things planned out. He, he wrote. He did it. Tr- he did it with Hard Ticket to Picasso. He set an expectation. I think that he wrote just every movie over a weekend. <laughs> and it was like, all right, they're done. Let's fucking shoot them. Tops off, girls. So some biker guy is leaving a hotel on a crotch rocket. And then we get Picasso Trigger, dressed in a naval outfit, enters a room with a guy named Martinez, who's played by the guy who played Seth and Mr. Ortiz from the previous movies. And they're arguing at the Computer Control Central, which is also CCC, just like cultcinemacavalcade.com. And you know they're at the Computer Control Central because it's on a piece of construction paper yes. on the wall behind them. They're arguing about some defense satellite system bullshit not working, or it's, you know what, it's not important. I just heard that, like, all right, here's the thing that you say is the plot of your movie, but it's really just an excuse to show stuff blow up and be in Hawaii. And he's not the the Picasso trigger. He's a guy named Andreas. The prominent villain character of the previous movie is now naval officer helper guy in this. So that's not confusing for (laughs) anyone involved. Yeah, Martinez, like, he's... This is the same guy who's played three different roles... Two of them are brothers, but this guy, he's just some guy from the Philippines. A car with stickers on it claiming it's U.S. Army. This is, uh, (laughs) I mean, this is just like cheap shit because it says U.S. Army on it just in these stickers. And it's like this cheap ass car. It doesn't look. Like they went to the local hobby shop, bought the lettering and stuck it onto a car they bought for a hundred dollars. It leaves and is followed by the biker guy. The driver of this car then lowers the window of the back passenger seat. And the guy's like, hey, what's going on? And he gets, of course, shot with a dart by the biker guy who drives up into a van. And then they take the guy, naval guy, out and put him in the van. Then we go to Shane, who gives Don and Taryn directions of where to go and land the hospital via his phone to the radio on the plane. I'm not sure how that works because it's, it's storming. But this was just to uh, quickly fill in a moment between them putting that guy on that van and then this the biker yeah. guy coming dressed in the naval outfit. I think the thing I'll remember most about this movie is the cutaways to something else that doesn't really apply to the thing that was happening just before <laughs> and then cutting back to to just a slight extension of what they cut away from seconds ago. In the editing room, realized they didn't have coverage, so they moved a scene somewhere else or something. He then meets with Captain Andreas and a computer expert, and this army guy is apparently there to drop something off, and they have a lot of tech talk about just just bullshit. Uh, They're apparently targeting lost Japanese vessels from a boat in 1943 that has something they're looking for. The tech guy leaves and goes to the Bahamas for vacation, he says, for one month. And Andrea says, (laughs) two agents are getting information from some admiral that will help them find the ship they want. And Martinez seems to have a personal tie to it because his village was apparently looted by a guy that this admiral was under during the war. I don't, whatever. Yeah, it's just a fucking five minute info dump. Right. Cut immediately to those two guys with the dying admiral who divulges his secrets at his deathbed about relocating some gold to a remote place. And we get, at this time, I'm like, is this a flashback? It is a flashback. Yeah. It is a flashback, but it took me a while to be like, is this what's going on? Some (laughs) Japanese guys are arguing about transporting this gold for the hopes of funding an army, but this one guy thinks this General Yamashito is taking it for a personal gain. Either way, they leave with the gold and chickens and pigs and whatnot, and then the voiceover talks of a storm hitting the region. Uh, He got a distress call, and then the silence, and never heard from that boat again. He hopes that the gold is at the bottom of the ocean. The two guys tell him that they are taking the info to the U.S. Navy and they hope it will help the Philippines. Don and Taryn struggle in the storm flying and they land right at the front door of the hospital. Right at the front door of the hospital (laughs) in a plane. Yeah, not, not a real safe place to put a hospital. 
by the way, yeah. right next to the landing strip. Not great. In the middle of the storm, Donna takes the meds into the hospital as Taryn refuels the plane. The guy thanks them, and then they fly off. And a surprisingly nice shot of the plane, like, going mm-hmm. towards the sky, like, crossing by what I think is the moon. I couldn't tell if it was the moon or the sun. Yeah, I couldn't tell, but it looked really nice. I was like, wow, Sedaris, yeah. that was a... That was a nice shot. That was being at the right place at the right time. That was not yep. planned. Yep. <laughs> I, we, no way that was We've planned. got eight movies to go, and I doubt anything will come near this. Uh, <laughs> it was a happy accident, I'm sure. Martinez, he rolls up into the desert with his BMW to meet up with the tech guy from earlier, the one that was headed to the Bahamas, and he pays the guy off for an exact duplicate of the disc that they had this information on. And Martinez tells him to have a blast! <laughs> on his vacation and he goes to his car starts it up and then the suitcase blows the guy up he says don't spend it all in one piece <laughs> brandon what the hell <laughs> uh, <'cause, laughs> like he, first he makes a pun about him blowing up and then he blows up makes another pun and then, what was that laugh what was I that don't laugh <laughs> i don't know it's just like, whoa, I'm one funny son of a bitch. <laughs> is your emotion chip, like, running slow today? What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Donna and Taryn put the, the plane in, in mid-flight in a storm in autopilot for a moment so they can uh, they can dry off by uh, driving, dabbing themselves with a nice dry towel and unbutton and change take their shirts off and so they can put a clean dry shirt on and then okay we go to martinez and a woman is, is, a... is it wise to do that brandon to i don't know a, I, but a little it... life-threatening storm there's only two of you in the fucking plane uh, let's just not let's not handle it ourselves let's just let <laughs> no i do not <laughs> I always remember this movie for this scene because this scene's just pointless, just to show girls taking their shirts off, yeah. and it's it just is... ridiculous. It makes no sense. It's just to show them being wet, rubbing a towel on themselves, taking their shirts well, yeah. off. It was like you know, Sedaris said, like, "Well, they're not going to be having sex with any of the guys in this movie. They're too busy trying to protect their lives. So we gotta, we gotta see those goods. We gotta see them now, one time before it gets weird." That's what they did, but. I don't. Do you think it's wise just to just to take your life in your hands like that, just to let the plane figure it out because your clothes are a little damp? Do it in shifts. Say, How about before you take off? Let's change. Yeah, you're already inside. You were wet when you got in the plane. You're gonna be dry the rest of this fucking. Take take two minutes. You planned to fail, ladies. Martinez and a woman, they share a drink, celebrating their revenge and revolution, and then they bone. And, uh, pretty, <laughs> pretty sure this is the first time in three movies that the guy who played Seth has ever had a sex scene. I think he's over two. Oh, and is this a sex scene? And it gets, it's, like, uh, it's, uh, t- it's pretty tongue-heavy. It's nasty. Yeah. It's like um, he's making up for lost time in these movies. But- but I think I know why he do it wasn't in other sex scenes because he doesn't seem to know where to put his hands. They're all over the place. I don't mean like he's you know like running his hands all over her body. I mean he takes his hand and like puts it on the top of her head mm-hmm. while they're making out. Like what is the top of this woman's head her erogenous zone? What are you doing, man? <laughs> You've touched another person before, right? And the actress is Terry Weigel, who would go on to become a porn star, from playmate to porn star. It looked like it. It looked like that was the road she was going towards. Back to Donna and Taryn versus the storm. Lightning hits the plane, knocking out all their instruments. But the artificial horizon is working. I don't know what that is, but it's working. <laughs> they have, they're, they're just having a hell of a time in that plane. It's shaking and shit and going crazy. It's a good thing they changed out of those wet clothes. They wouldn't have been able to think. Um, <laughs> well, you'd think they'd think better because they'd be right. wet, like jacuzzi. True. At the Honolulu airport, Martinez woman sees the two agent dudes who know the secret. They get into what I think used to be the U.S. Army car, but without the stickers on it. Oh, yeah, clearly. <laughs> just like, wait, that's the U.S. <laughs> Army car, but now it's a, now it's a different car because it doesn't have stickers on it. Do they shoot it from a different 
angle? No, it's like, the same side. I'm pretty oh, sure. Damn it. Because <laughs> that, would, that would have been like, okay, well, clearly they just had like, well, the leather on one side maybe, plank on the other. Maybe they do. I'm not sure. But I just noticed. I'm like, wait, that's the same car. Some guy in a white car pulls up. She, she gets in and says to follow them. They arrive at their hotel. The room service dudes deliver a surprise snack, which ends up being an ass kicking. Well, I mean, that's probably better than the fruit and Budweiser that they brought in. Yeah, and props to Andy Sedaris. You got Al Leong, who played like a terrorist in every action movie possible in the late 80s and early 90s for this movie. He was in Die Hard. He's, I mean, I think he's probably been in at least one Stallone, Willis, Van Damme, Seagal, Norris yeah, movie. Like, Wasn't he, he in uh, what, either Kickboxer or Bloodsport where he like mm-hmm. he fights him? Right? Yeah, he's in all, like, all those action guys at least had him in one or two of their movies. Mm. He was always, like, Asian terrorist with a ponytail and a goatee. Props to Andy Sedaris for, for getting him, but I, I wag my finger at whoever designed this hotel room. It is the pinkest room that's ever existed. <laughs> it's like they went out of their way to do it. <laughs> like, they just put, like, a cherry bomb in a bucket of paint, and, like, everything's pink now! The guys, they put them in a laundry cart and then change identities with them. And we get one of those, remember last last time? The guy's like, way to go, Clayton. And, and then we get a line like that. It's like, these are perfect, Eric. <laughs> yeah, like he gave him a name so they could get paid more. <laughs> <laughs> they get the disc and say they need to make a copy before tomorrow. Donna and Taryn, meanwhile, find a place to land as they are losing fuel. They make that emergency landing and... Then the two goons meet with Martinez and Andreas to deliver the information. They are given a Buddha thing as an appreciation for bringing them that. I don't know what the fuck that was. Didn't matter. They pop in the disc in the computer, and the guy at the computer tells them what he's going to do with the this cross-referencing information received from the dead general. It's, it's boring. You know, it doesn't yeah. matter. The guy tells Andreas, though, he's like, here, press this button to see the final result. Uh, I'm out of here. Bye. Literally, all he has to do is hit enter. And that's like, all right, that's the line. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm out of here, guys. You can figure it out after this. <laughs> Andreas presses it and finds a 98% probability, which is some insanely remote place. And we get a title drop. Yes. Jesus is that remote. The weather in that part of the world can be violently unstable. Japanese sure picked one hell of a savage beach to crash their boat on. And he goes, I bet no one has ever set foot on that island. And they'll, they're they going to mobilize forces there. I, I do love how when he says Savage Beach, he could have almost like looked into the camera and no, taken it was, off his it glasses. Was, oh, it, it could have zoomed right on him and said <laughs> it was that perfect. Like a music sting afterwards. Yeah, Donna and Taryn are putting a fire out in their engine. And they say they're lucky to be alive. And they jinx each other with, you're one hell of a pilot. And they check their survival kit which is a duffel bag that has some knives, and they decide to explore the island. And the two goons return to the hotel and load up the disc and find the same location. Donna and Taryn find a beach and joke around. They decide to go back to the plane and set up camp as they're spotted by a distant figure. Andreas, guy who is not the guy he says he is, and Martinez discuss their plane flying under all radar surveillance. Martinez is weary of it and says his government is growing impatient. Andreas tells him to give it a rest. Martinez returns to his car to have a passionate revolutionary speech and some kissing and boning in the back with his lady just because he's making up for a lot. He's like, you know what? He's letting me have sex in this movie. I better just get it all I can. While while the driver's like watching like, yeah. It was really, it escalated quickly. As soon as that door opened, she was just, all over him in the close rough life. Like, damn, like, are they both in heat? My God. Donna and Taryn then head down the beach to set up camp, building a hut with giant leaves and stuff. They go back to the beach at sunset for a uh, nice swim. Uh, kind well, of a beautiful, pa- beautiful background with the... But the, 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 passage, the passage of time here confuses me a little bit because... I think time moves slower on this island than it does outside. <laughs> I feel like a day passes, and this island is not close. Like, they're in Hawaii and go to this Japanese island, and I feel Donna and Taryn are there for, like, a day, and these guys spend weeks getting there or something. Mm-hmm. Maybe... Maybe we have Andy Sedaris is going for the Dunkirk narrative. 
I will probably watch this sooner again than Dunkirk. They, they have a naked swim, which I find funny because they do have swimsuits. We'll see you later. Well, I know, but also it's like, what? I don't... Shut why? up, Don and Tara swimming naked at the beach. <laughs> well, they, they are literally like trying to figure out how they are going to live, how they're going to survive until someone comes by. And and they like, have oh, well. a splash party. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> so at the pool headquarters, Shane calls and Patty and the, the clown wake up to get topless and change clothes. Yeah, they were sleeping on a fucking porch. And then they get up and they change clothes for like no reason. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah. Well, it time was, to change. It was like, um, oh God, you remember in Hard Ticket to Hawaii where the first time we saw Edie naked, she just, just changes her clothes. Yeah. And then just leaves and that's it. That's like what this is. It's that equivalent of that. But now there's two women and it's even weirder because like, like I said, they're on a porch. They're just... The restaurant porch. Yeah, like, did they just get loaded and fall asleep sitting up? When they get to Shane, he's on the phone with a doctor saying he's notified the Navy rescue units. One says, all we can do now is pray. So, you know, thoughts and prayers very existent back then. Donna picks coconuts so they can eat in what feels like a super improvised scene with the two of them. Almost like home. Aha. Aha. We're sharing it, Carvel. Some good stuff. I'm sure, like, Sedaris is like, well, I mean, I guess we should probably, I mean, you're going to be here for a while, so you need your strength, so go dick around in the trees for a while. Later, they wander the beach in their swimsuits, where Donna has her trusty spear in tow, and she spots some footprints in the sand. Later, they're checking out a map to figure out where they are and where they need to go. Donna asks Taryn to get her a blanket from the plane, and after Taryn leaves, she grabs a flare gun and runs after her, and a guy with a sword attacks Taryn, and Donna fires the flare at him, and he runs, and she's like, that son of a bitch moves quick. So I'm like, well, no, but okay. And she's like, he looked more like an animal than a man. He didn't. Not at all. And also, uh, maybe... You shouldn't use the one thing that can be used to alert, you know, planes or ships or whatever to fire it at some guy. I mean, right? I mean, that's like throwing your food just into the ocean. You're like, oh, I'm not going to need this for later. Like, no, you, you need, like, <laughs> use, like, I don't know. You have guns. Use those, you assholes. They return to the plane to get Shane's goodie package. The huge gun and crossbow are in tow, and she goes, Merry Christmas, honey. And a plane lands, and then we see uh, the guy with the sword looking out to the ocean. A plane lands somewhere else, mind you. That's, that's, <laughs> I gotta say that. Yeah. A plane lands somewhere. The guy with the sword is looking out at the ocean, and Donna and Taryn are sleeping at their camp. Taryn awakes to a noise, and they unload fire at some movement in the grass, and it ends up being a rooster. They blew to smithereens, and... <laughs> Good shooting, Taryn. Oh. Well, there goes our alarm clock, huh? <laughs> and uh, they cook it and decide they, they need to find whoever this is before it finds them while they eat the rooster. I wish that when she said, like, there goes our alarm clock, we could have heard Hernandez's laugh. Like, right now. <laughs> That'd be perfect. He needs to be our studio audience laugh. <laughs> we get a montage of them gearing up. And camouflaging themselves, but ineffectively. It's like, here's a line, here's a line, I've got camouflage on. When they get up, it looks like they barely put any on. It looks like they just, like, rub some dirt in their face. Right. Well, and then they journey into the woods, and the sword dude follows them from behind, and they come out of some tall grass, and their camouflage is all gone. <laughs> Where are they gone? Did they sweat it off? Did the grass wipe it all off? What What happened? Donna gets caught in a trap upside down, and the sword guy confronts them, and then runs away. He comes up, like, oh, um, wave the sword around and shit, and like, well, all right, never mind, and, and right. just leaves. So, <laughs> Does absolutely nothing. <laughs> Captain Andrea's plane is arriving, and the sword guy runs to a place on the beach where he has stuff hidden under a leaf, 
and it's a box with a picture of like a family in it among some other things an american looking family um, yes a United States-looking family. Taryn is happy to see the plane arriving, but Donna's skeptical of it. And the sword guy puts another layer of mud on his face. Andreas Martinez and the guy who's not who he says he is uh, land <laughs> and exit the plane in matching jumpsuits. I love that you keep calling him the guy who's not who he says he is, because that's all we really know about him. Yep. He just showed up, and now we're just kind of stuck with him. Yeah. The three, I, I thought their matching jumpsuits were cute. <laughs> yeah, it was nice that they coordinated. So they're like, all right, guys, we're a team. Let's dress like a team. If you fly a plane in Andy Sedaris movies, beige out jumpsuits is the, the way to go. Or if you fix phones. Um, <laughs> Donna and Taryn hide as they wander past them. They notice the plane they arrived in is all sorts of modded and illegal. Sure. <laughs> exactly. Like, I don't it, fucking care. Move it, movie. It's a plane. This never comes in. Yeah. The dudes get out their detectors and begin hunting for gold. And Martina says the brilliance of, it should be somewhere on this island. <laughs> well, I hope so, man. I hope so. Why, why else are you here? If not, it's a big waste of time. A sword guy watches them and a boat with Martina's woman. I didn't ever got her name, so sorry I keep calling you woman, but I, 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 I know down, more about what you look like naked than about your personality, so... Yeah, I wrote down puffy nips because that was her most distinctive characteristic. So they begin approaching the island, and she's with all the, the goon guys from earlier. Martinez hears something and pulls a gun. The dude who's not who he says he is sounds like he's making a phone call somewhere, and then Don and Taryn watch all this and wonder who they are and what they're looking for. And they witness the the man who is not who he says he is making that call, noting that they are affirmative in their position. Well, it uh, seems like he opens up a wallet that had a bunch of glitter stickers. Yeah, it, and yeah. It's supposed to be a communication device. Uh, Donna and Tara figure he's an American. And then Donna makes the note that just because he's an American doesn't mean we can trust him. And Tara then says, I don't think that cute blonde could kill anybody. I don't believe this. Oh, Taryn. So she's seen this guy for seconds, and she's already down to clown. Well, he probably reminds her of Jimmy John, who they rightfully did not bring back for this movie. Yes, that's one of the bonuses of this movie. Uh, Andreas sneaks up behind them with a gun, and then the three dudes disarm the, the girls and ask for who they are and what they're doing. And Martinez thinks they're lying about everything, and he wants to tie them up. And Terrence says, tie this up, and kicks him in the crotch! Crotch trauma! Trauma! Yes! <laughs> we are on a roll with that. That's right. It was like, like Sedaris was making the movie. He's like, ah, crap, we gotta, we, I forgot someone's got to get punched in the dick. Uh, all right, let's do it, do it. We're on the beach. Go, 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 go. Andreas calls them bimbos, and that that's crossing the line with Donna. I know when I heard that, it's like, oh, you're going to die. Yeah. They take them and tie them to a tree, and Donna and Taryn joke about who they really are and stuff, and then see, a line, Taryn says, she goes, even Mother Teresa has a dark side, to which Donna rolls her eyes, and I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> she I was right it. to do that. I know, she was. It was great. The, that was, probably wasn't scripted. There's like, that, that line's just fucking bad writing. That's just dumb. And then the dudes say that if they get in their way, they will kill them. Martina's lady's boat has anchored in the water it was like a yacht so now they're yeah. on one of those raft speedboat things and her and her goons are approaching the island and now yeah her, her and her goons who are all dressed in black and on a tropical island during the day yes the guys i can you know whatever i, I can give them a pass her however she's wearing a bra with tassels and a yeah. black leather jacket did she know she was doing this today she had no idea she was going to savage beach no idea so now there's the three guys searching for gold martinez's crew with his, his woman and those guys sneaking around following them and then there's the sword guy watching it all uh, the crew says that they need to wait till they find something and then they'll make their move martinez claims to have found it and they begin digging and the guy who uh during this, they pull out these two shovels, Andreas and uh, Martinez, and they start furiously digging. And the guy who's not who he says he is starts just, like, pulling grass. Like, <laughs> I'm it, helping! It's, it's pretty humorous to watch this whole thing transpire. They pull a box with some country's flag on it. I don't know what country it is. Sorry. 
And the sword guy sees this and then goes and frees Donna and Taryn. But Donna's already mostly freed and pulls a gun on him. And Taryn and this dude stare at each other in the eye. And then he cuts a rope and runs away. <laughs> yeah. And, and again, Taryn's like, like how did you know? You? Why are you here? And, and Do Ter- something. Taryn's like, glad I didn't shoot him. How did you know he wasn't going to kill me? It's a chance I had to take. Great. Hope on time. The guys open the box and find gold. And one guy goes, talk about your golden oldies. I'm like, oh. Mm. Martinez takes a bar. And then Donna and Taryn come up and watch. The crew arrives. And this girl comes up. And they suck face in front of everyone. But one of the dudes shoots her. And she turns yeah. around. And another guy shoots her. And Donna and Tara, <laughs> like, they get the fuck out of there. And the crew had turned and double-crossed the double-cross. Yeah. Like, he's like, we are freelancers. He's like, you was going to, and they're like, he was going to double cross you guys. And then like, so we double crossed him. Yeah, I know. Like, what is happening? He wasn't going to share any of this. Like, then why did you take the job? (laughs) Yeah. When they double cross the double cross, it's like, I don't, pick a lane movie. I don't care. Just, uh, there's enough people in this movie and enough shit going on. Just. St- don't Rube Goldberg your fucking movie. <laughs> Just so the the sword guy. Lights. Well, the sword guy then pronounces himself like throwing a sword through one of the guys. And everybody just scrams. So now we have this, this like fucking free for all of people with like all sorts of allegiances just with guns on this island. And no, you know what it is? It's like a bunch of kids uh, playing tag or, you know, or something like that. And then they're just like making up abilities that they have during it. Like, no, <sighs> you can't tag me because I have like no tag ability for like the next 10 seconds. So you couldn't <laughs> get me. You know, it's just making bullshit up as they what it is. So Don and Taryn have a trap set and it trips Andreas and the, the guy who's not who he says he is. Uh, they agree. They are all each other have and both claim that they threw the machete when they're asked, like Donna and Taryn do. They're like, oh, yeah, I yeah, did, like, I did. We're like, what? what? Who cares? Like, who what? are you protecting? Yeah, like, wh- who gains anything from that? So they split, agreeing to meet at the plane, because Donna and Taryn give them some weapons, and Andreas and the, the guy who's not who he says he is run into two goons, and then they're beaten up pretty easily. And as they are about to be shot, Donna shows up with her big gun, and they all say that she can just get off one shot with that thing. The goons do, and there's three of them and one of her. So she shoots the biggest one, and the two others kick her down and take off. (laughs) What I love about this scene is when these freelancers, they run into the (laughs) the guy who isn't who he says he is, and the Navy guy. They... They have like some kind of thing where it's like, oh, you don't want to shoot us with guns. There's no honor in that or some bullshit like that. And they said, you're right. Let's finish these guys off with our hands. You might want to be careful where you say that. Martinez is running around and winds up back at his girl, his dead girl, and starts stocking up on the gold that everyone seemed to have fucking forgot about and just left there. And he mm. sees one of the dunes and he kills him and he backs up the gold and runs off. Tarrant and the guy who's not who he says he is bump into each other. As they talk, a sword shows up between them, and it's uh, the sword guy. Yeah. Why? And he runs off. Like, that's what he does. He's like, ha, I'm here. And no, I'm not. I'm <laughs> running away. And it's not like he disappears. He just, like, takes off on foot. Like, he wasn't attacking them. Like, was he, was he like, all right, that's enough. Uh, hands off, uh, Taryn, okay? That's, she's a nice girl. She doesn't need your kind. I can tell you're a liar. I am very protective of her for some reason or another. So we watch Donna running around. Uh, Taryn chases after Martinez, trading some gunfire. And then she then fires the arrow at a tree that Martinez hides behind, and it blows up. And he stumbles to the beach and gets on a speedboat that also has a nicely labeled can of gas on it. An open can of gas. Spilling out. And he gets it in the water. Taryn reloads. She shoots the boat, and kablooey! And the gold is all sitting in the water. Six bars of gold, to be exact. We'll talk about that. Um, Another explosion where you see limbs flying through the air. This is a Sedaris market quality. Donna has regrouped the Andreas and the man who's not who he says he is. Taryn then wanders back through the woods, wandering into the the main thug. Then Donna and crew show up. The sword guy shows up. 
The goon unloads a couple into the sword guy, but he stabs the goon dead, and the sword guy dies, and he, he hands Terran, as he's dying, a picture, and he speaks in Japanese, but luckily, Andreas knows Japanese, right? So he translates, and uh, what he says is he goes, I could not kill those eyes again. He tells her three Americans crashed in their, their bay. They drifted at sea for many days and were barely alive. They washed up on this beach, and we get a flashback, and he continues, We were ordered to protect this treasure, but as the samurai tradition was in our blood, we were bound by our code that we could not kill defensive people, but were young, frightened. And then we see the dudes being slaughtered on the beach by these guys. He goes, we, we murdered the Americans on the beach that day. After long years of isolation, our disillusionment proved stronger than our general Yashimata. The flashback goes again, and he goes, one of us committed Harikari. The other one didn't have the courage for that, so he just let the sea take him. And I remained half animal, half man, crazed with guilt until this day. There's no way for us to atone for our sins. Cut to them loading up the plane. And they ask if they are ready to go back on one after that crazy storm. And Taryn and this dude are just all ready to get their fuck on already. The, they, the man who's not who he says he is. Don and Taryn, uh, they go to take the plane. And the dudes are going to wait on the Navy to show up. And they'll all meet up at the Molokai later on. Like, like when all this shit was happening, I was just thinking, why is this movie still happening? Hernandez is dead. And I don't give a shit about the old guy. Let's fucking go. We're done. Oh, yeah. It's like, hey, um, long story short, your grandfather wound up here. I fucking killed him. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny. It's kind of grueling long. Like, when I'm watching, I was like, okay. Like th- okay. This been, but like this but talking been, about but... it, I'm kind of laughing at how, <laughs> how long yeah. that fucking was. And the like, fact that it was so long, they didn't just... Why didn't they just have him speak English? Why? Yeah. Couldn't Did John Apreya need lines? I don't know. Maybe that information could have been sprinkled out throughout the time they were on the island instead of just, well, okay, here's the whole thing. It could have been just him thinking about that on the beach when he would see Terran or whatever, and then at the end he just hands him or hands her the picture like that's my grandfather fucking done we're almost done with the movie let's move it Darren and Taryn take off and Andreas and the man who's not who he says he is they sit and chill and Andreas wonders about taking a look at the gold one last time before the military gets there and the guy then tells him that he's had them rerouted and they aren't going to be showing up he reveals that he's not who he's been He's special ops for the CIA, and the CIA took over the operation the whole time. He goes, covert, I believe they call it, Captain. <laughs> a submarine's almost there to pick him up. Andreas says he's not getting in a submarine, and they decide to take the the yacht that the goons left to go back. Okay. And then uh, we get our uh, typical end scene of uh, drinking <laughs> at some place, celebrating, where they discuss everything, and then Taryn talks about stealing one of the prized possessions from the movie that the criminals wanted, which in this case was six gold bars. She likes to mention that she's still a civilian, and she's entitled to them. So and... it's okay if she steals, is what she's saying. Yes, and then they're all in like some sort of pre-planned hookup positions as donna sitting close to shane abilene <laughs> the captain goes off with the two new floozies and uh you know taryn's with uh the, the man who's now the cia covert special ops dude i still don't have a name don't care and uh is t- is bruce yeah okay. his real name is, is bruce good for him something good for exactly him. good for he him. works for he works for the cia a twist that didn't seem necessary at all no this movie happens the same way if he's not even there Donna and uh, Shane Abilene go to leave, and she goes, I guess that leaves us, Shane Abilene. You've kept the home fires burning, and I love loyal men. I'm honored. Well, you play your cards right, you'll be more than honored. I knew that. You knew that? I knew. And then, uh, can, I we suck just, your can, dick. We, can we just score it three Abilenes or four with my fan <laughs> theory for Donna? Yes. Shane Abilene, is he better than Travis Abilene? I think so. We don't get enough of him. I, and that's why I can't decide because he's barely in this movie. But he does make an impact. I mean, he bones, he bones. His girl gets her top off, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. As soon as we see her, 
She is fully nude. I mean, he's like a he's not only Abilene, but he's like the Jade. Yeah, no, he is. Well, well, it's like I it's like I said, you know, the Abilene's the, the quality has been diminishing, so they just combined him with Jade, and yeah. then we've we've got we've got leftover parts of a character just was, hanging was, out. Was Jade busy? Like what? Jade I don't know. Jade and Edie just, I mean, or they demanding too much? Did they want to? They went final cut on this, or like what? What happened? Jade was busy washing his hair. Okay. Washing and braiding his thick hair. Okay. Okay. But yeah. So that yeah, that is the Savage Beach, and during the credits, we get the Back to Survival song. Back to <laughs> I w- survival. Back to humanity. I was just excited that the credits were not on construction paper. They weren't. No, it was, there were actual graphics. But was... he, he did his typical thing of just showing random clips from the movie between them. In, in case we forget what we just watched. So thank you. And they're not outtakes. They're just no, Literally shots. just pieces of the movie. Yeah. It's like, all right, hey, remember when she got naked? Okay, great. Here's another explosion. Okay, here's a sh- scene at an airport. Like, all right, very good. Oh. Thank you, Andy. No, I'm installing cable television. Dinner! <laughs> now comes the point in the episode where we rate the movie we just watched. As we are cult cinema cavalcade, we keep things nice and culty. Our ratings are as follows. Stay with your family, which means hmm, you want to keep the gold there in its nice spot. You think it's fine with that. You're going to keep it to yourself. No interest in sharing with anyone. Converted, which means, hey... You're going to trick people into taking that gold. You're going to keep it for yourself. You kind of like this movie. You think the gold's all right. Or drink the Kool-Aid, which means you're going to double cross the double cross and triple cross because you're that into the Savage Beach and the crossing and the crosses. So, Cullen, how do you rate Savage Beach? This has so many of the things that we we love about Andy Sedaris movies. Uh, It's not as outrageous as some of the other entries, which would help it a lot. But I don't know if there's that many opportunities for it to be outrageous. I mean... The most outrageous things they can do is just like, all right, well, here's uh, here's a naked woman, and 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 that's nice, but there, you know, there, there's no one on a skateboard being knocked in into the air and being shot with a rocket, you know, there, there's not that kind of excellence. There's not someone that's being slid through a, a, a window and falling stories to their death, but uh, overall. Uh, it kept my attention a lot more than Picasso Trigger, and there was enough fun stuff that I could pay attention to. As I mentioned before, there were other stuff, like with the the, the Japanese soldier, was like, why the fuck is it? Let's go, let's go. Get on with it. So there's, uh, there's stuff like that that happens that unfortunately drags it down, but not so much that I could not enjoy it. So I am converted on this, probably on the lower end, but I am converted. So Brandon, how do you rate Savage Beach? Well, Savage Beach, I think, is... Kind of our old, our old buddy uh, James Oster called it like the meat and potatoes Andy Sedaris movie where you get all the all the goods and a lot less kind of bullshit stuff. I think this has to be like the cheapest budgeted one because they don't go anywhere. They're always outside in random deserted places that you know they didn't have to get permits for. Like you don't see inside buildings too much or outside very illustrious exteriors. It's it's just kind of cut and dry with things which. Kind of eliminates some of the weird, but you know what is awesome? We get a shitload of Donna and Taryn, and I, I enjoy them. And if, if this is a send-off, this is a fine send-off for their partnership team work, I don't know, duo thing. I think it is, you know, it is kind of, it's got funny stuff, but a lot of it's more in the, the dialogue and there's the random nudity that's just out of place and crazy it's got some some of the cool action bits it's like very it's very cut and dry very enjoyable it's much better than picasso trigger but i i converted on picasso trigger which i'm gonna have to stick with converted on savage beach but i wanted this to be kool-aid but it's just not quite there but i'm i'm very solidly converted uh this is this is cool like if, if we can just keep getting ones like these i'm fine you know they're not all gonna be hard ticket to hawaii but savage beaches are fine with me because you can find weird through doing these like more streamlined ones. But wanting every Sedaris movie to be hard ticket to why is like saying why can't every movie be Citizen Kane? Yeah, like that's not that's not a realistic goal. But this one's really different too. This one, I, I feel like Picasso Trigger wanted to be hard ticket again a lot of the times, and just I think they maybe had felt like they did it, so it kind of came off with a little bit like less energy with it. But this one's. Mm-hmm. This one's going for something different, even though there's a lot of the same shit you see in all these. But this one kind of 
at least looks different, feels different. Get a, and our leads are definitely Donna and Taryn this time, and nobody else. Yeah, they're not screwing around. They're not like, well, a man. It's gonna be about a a, a big, strong man and sexy dames. Like, like no, it's just about <laughs> about these women, and that's it. And, thank, and, and, and how good it should be. How have we not? How did they resist temptation with each other, Donna and Taryn? Because like in most movies, all the scenes they go through would wind up in a lesbian sex scene, right? Oh, yeah. But they yeah. remain friends throughout. And thank goodness. There was part of me that wondered, like, all right, well, now they're on an island alone, so they'll, you know, jam that in there. But thankfully, they, they didn't. No. Big fan of Donna and Taryn. Sad to see that go. Sad to see this this series go. I'm, I might just be so on board, I just watch them on my own without having to do it for the episode, because I'm just like, man, I want to see what the next is. The next one is Guns. Ran out of title ideas. You got for a little bit, for a little bit there. Guns. Uh, guns with, I believe, Eric Estrada. Oh. So just a little, just, just to wet your beak there. Guns. And then he got back to better titles with Do or Die, which comes after that, which, I mean, we will be getting to those for sure. We'll get to it. Don't don't rush us. You'll you'll get it when you get. It. Yeah, there's a lot of these, and we look forward to when we we will get to them. Girl, sure you feel like flying? Well, it's a little like falling off a horse. The sooner you get back up in the saddle, the better off you are. Saddle? You want to talk saddle? I got a better idea. That's funny. This place doesn't look like a singles bar to me. <laughs> <laughs> On the next episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we're going from the series that gave us a hard ticket to a movie that's giving us hard rain. Yes, the Morgan Freeman and Christian Slater thriller from 1998. So we're traveling from the 80s to the 90s, which, Colin, which means... That would be Aaron Newworth will be joining us. From Out Now with Aaron and Abe. Aaron Newworth returns, and we are looking forward to that. Should be exciting. Yeah, so we thank you for indulging us with the Andy Sedaris month. Thankful for Andy Sedaris. We've had a lot of fun. We hope you've discovered the fun of these movies and don't think we're just some perverts that just like to watch topless women roam around. They're, they're actually there's, funny movies. They're, they're the, silly. There's there's easier and faster ways to see that kind of stuff if that's all we wanted. Yeah, I mean, these movies, part of the fun is how you don't make this stuff anymore. It's just, it's dated. So I, I don't know if some of you question like, oh, what a bunch of pigs going to this. Watch, watch Hard Ticket to Hawaii and tell me that's not funny as hell. <laughs> Try. You know, like if maybe... you're not at least marginally entertained, I pray for your soul. And we all know praying works. Yeah, we essentially we find an absurdity of this. But thank you for thank you for going through that with us. We're going with hard rain next time. We got a cool month of December for you coming up. Keep downloading, keep listening, keep sharing, keep commenting. We love back and forth with you guys. We'll return next time. But this episode has come to an end. We look forward to next time. But first, stay tuned for the trailer to Hard Rain. The trailer that actually trails. Take everything you know about Mother Nature. So, are we all gonna die? Yeah, we're all gonna die. Just not yet. Combine it with everything you know. What are you still doing here? You gonna arrest us, Sheriff? About human nature. Come on, give us a kiss. Ah, get out of here. Mix in $3 million in cold, hard cash. Stinks. Putting your ass on the line for somebody else's money. Where the hell's the road? It's there. Somewhere. Add water. And you have the perfect recipe. Probably just see us better. So we can't see it all. For the perfect crime. Turn down your lights! Tom, hey, Tom! We just want the money! You guys? Oh, God. Walk away! The clock is ticking! Now, the trap has become a hunt. We're dealing with a slippery one. Figures as long as he knows where the money is and we don't, we won't kill him. The victim has become the suspect. You took the money, didn't you? Yeah, I hid it in the cemetery. What the hell did you do that for? I don't like to carry around that much cash, you know? And as far as the money goes... He could be thinking about keeping that money for himself. It's up for grabs. You believe in? Free my lips. Three million dollars. <sighs> I want to have
to save your life again. Is it good or bad? Pretty soon this water will be too deep for him to run in. So what do we do now? Just drive around until we run out of gas, huh? They're looters, all right? We have to kill them. You're the sheriff. I'm the what? Give me your hand. listening to Cult Cinema Cavalcade, part of the Creative Zombie Studios Network. For press opportunities, advertising opportunities, and more information on Cult Cinema Cavalcade, contact mail at cultcinemacavalcade.com. Produced by Brad Shoemaker, edited by Brandon Peters, narration by Rebecca Peters. Theme song Pink Baby by Happy Elf appears courtesy of the freemusicarchive.org network. The film and music featured in this episode are part of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Join us again in two weeks for a new episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade. Huh? <laughs> Looks like we're not going to starve for a while. <laughs>